0: The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend.
1: Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. We have flipped the calendar to November, and we are ready for a huge showdown in the desert for the WBO light heavyweight championship as Canelo Alvarez goes for a fourth world title in a fourth different weight division against the reigning champion of the World Boxing Organization, the Crusher, Sergey Kovalev, nine weeks removed from his latest title defense, a hard-fought TKO stoppage of Anthony Yard of Britain back in September. Now here he is right back around, fighting nine weeks later on November the 2nd. Uh, we're anxious to see what Kovalev still has left in the gas tank. We're anxious to see if Canelo can punch at 175, etc., That's what the thrust of this podcast is going to be about. Now, it's not the only thing that it's going to be about. I've got some good guests coming up on many different subjects, but mainly Canelo against Kovalev uh, for this showdown in Las Vegas MGM Grand Garden Arena. Let me set the table for you straight ahead, the former undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world. Antonio Tarver. It's Tarver time here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast once again. Look forward to hearing from him because he lived exactly what uh, what Canelo is trying to do in moving up not just from light heavyweight but to cruiserweight and eventually heavyweight. How do you contend in terms of punching power with the bigger fighters? That's the challenge that Saul Canelo Alvarez will have in this fight of being able to hit and hurt and do damage on a bigger man. So Antonio Tarver will tell us about that. There is a rift, obviously, between Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya, his promoter. It was uh, awkward. It was ice water. It was not pretty at the press conference earlier in the week in Vegas where Canelo wanted nothing to do with Oscar. How big of a distraction is it? How big of a problem is it? Antonio Tarver will talk with us about that when he hops on the podcast here in a little bit. We'll sneak a prediction away from him uh, as well. Here as part of Big Fight Weekend, so anxious to hear from Antonio Tarver. In a little bit, we'll also hear from the boxing writer, David Payne. Love his insight in the UK. Over in Europe, European perspective, we come off of a weekend of a fantastic fight card that saw Josh Taylor capture the, WB, uh, the WBSS, the World Boxing Super Series, junior welterweight championship by virtue of a 12-round decision, a split decision over American Regis Prograce in uh, in what was a very entertaining, hard-fought battle. Give credit where it is due. To Taylor because he won the key rounds. He won the important rounds uh, in this fight, even with his right eye damaged and swelling badly. We'll talk with David Payne about that fight. Also, British heavyweight uh, veteran contender Derek Chisora scored a TKO uh, knockout on the co-feature of that card. Is Chisora going to get in the mix for a possible title shot coming up? Etc., etc., and I'll get a, a quick thought or two from David on Canelo versus Kovalev. We may even talk a little historical boxing too, because this is the anniversary week uh, of uh, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, and the Rumble in the jungle. And David and I, David Payne, and I love talking history and boxing whenever he's on the podcast. So lots to discuss with him. And then to close things out, we'll do a tandem interview. Marquise Johns will be here, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Always enjoy getting Marquise on the uh, on the show to give some inside perspective off the website on the sweet science on this Canelo Kovalev light heavyweight title fight. Also from Las Vegas. It'll be a three way conversation. TC Martin, my initials namesake, TC Martin uh, from Vegas, the TC Martin show. He was there at the Canelo Kovalev press conference. The final press conference on Wednesday can tell you exactly what that room was like. Uh, where Canelo wanted nothing to do with uh, De La Jolla in terms of recognizing him, smiling at him, shaking his hand no nothing, even though this is his promoter. Uh, and how much of a distraction is it? TC will have insight on that. How big of a deal is this fight right now in Vegas compared to other uh, shows that we've seen with the likes of Manny Pacquiao, Tyson Fury recently, and others? TC Martin will have a lot of insight from Las Vegas with us. Marquise will also have insight not just on this Canelo-Kovalev fight card, but some other fight cards that are coming Saturday as well. Jam-packed podcast. We're anxious to talk to all of our guests and get the breakdown, the analysis, the predictions. Uh, Before we do that, we remind you that uh, Big Fight Weekend is brought to you in part by our friends at Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. If you're looking to attend any of these fights, MGM Grand Garden Arena for the big showdown between Canelo and Kovalev, you're looking on the secondary market for tickets, go to Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. You're going to hear about the other fight cards as well. uh, The one that is upcoming uh, from ESPN and top rank at the Dignity Health Sports Complex, Carson, California, right outside of L.A., You're looking for tickets on that fight card, Uh, also the FS1 fight card that's in Maryland, wherever the fights are happening. Use Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Their their service is outstanding, 100% protection for your purchase to get those great seats. And use our promo code bigfight Ten. That promo code will get you 10% off of your initial order with Vivid Seats up to $50. So again, if you're a first-time user Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app, the promo code is Fight 10 for you to get 10% off your order. Utilize Vivid Seats for the great selection of all those tickets. This is even for college football and the NFL this weekend. If you're going to any of those games, that promo code will work the same way. If you're hearing the boxing podcast, use it right now. Big Fight 10 for 10% off if you're a first-time user, up to $50, with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. All right, the plug out of the way, the preview out of the way. Let's get to interviews, insight, and analysis on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Let's go. I am going to get set straight right now. I know it because the champ is in the room with me figuratively here and ready to talk, Canelo Kovalev, coming up Saturday night in Las Vegas. If anybody knows about winning big-time title fights in Sin City, it would be this guy, the former light heavyweight champion of the world. Love the magic, man. Love Tarver time. (laughs) Antonio (laughs) Tarver, good to have you back on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. How are you feeling?
0: Hey, TJ, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you. Uh, okay, so the, the big burning question is Canelo Alvarez is moving up to light heavyweight. You are perfect to talk about this because you moved up in weight a couple of times in your career. Fundamentally, what is he up against putting the extra 15 or so pounds on and getting in there and fighting a legitimate 175-pound or bigger man like Kovalev? What's he up against, Antonio?
0: Well, you know, everyone has been, you know, calling Bernard Hopkins and getting his take on it because, you know, uh, back in the day, 06, Bernard moved up from middleweight, two-weight classes, and defeated me for the Undisputed Light Heavyweight Championship. But the difference in that fight, they're trying to say that, you know, it's similar. They have similarities here with Canelo moving up and fighting Kovalev. Yes, Canelo is moving up. From even, you know, the middleweight division, same thing. But the difference is, I think Kovalev is going to be in much better shape than I was because, you know, I took a little time off from the game. I shot that Rocky Balboa movie. Everyone knew that I ballooned up, up to the head. And they caught me. And two months, I was back in the ring defending my titles. I didn't have a chance like Kovalev had, who just came off. A very impressive win against the uh, the uh, UK uh, guy Yardy, who was mm-hmm. the number one contender for the light heavyweight championships. Now, when you look at comparison, you gotta say is Canelo as strong as Yardy? Maybe is he as powerful as a natural light heavyweight? Because you know Kovalev took those shots. Now Kovalev is not sweating down to a catch weight of one seventy or 168 or something like that. So he's going to be the much stronger guy. And then when you look at the comparisons between me and Hopkins, Hopkins standing about six, one and a half Hopkins was always a tall middleweight. So there was not the height difference, the reach difference. I didn't have those advantages when I fought Hopkins. So Kovalev is coming in with a much bigger height and reach advantage and again, he has one of the best trainers in the game under these scenarios in Buddy McGirt. And and I just believe if I would have had a tune-up fight to get down in that way comfortably, or if I would have had a rematch clause in my contract to fight Hopkins again, and I'm the rematch king, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I, I can pretty much bet that that rematch would have been a lot different <laughs> Than that first fight, but I didn't get that opportunity for whatever reason. But I believe Kovalev and Canelo is going to be a perennial fighter of the year type of caliber because I believe styles make fights. When you look at Canelo being the lighter fighter, he's going to be more active. He's going to let his hands go. That's going to give Kovalev problems. He's not going to be able or he's not accustomed to the speed that a Kovalev is going to bring to the table. And maybe that inside game with those combination punches, those big hooks that Canelo likes to throw. I mean, if he gets inside of Kovalev, it can be ugly. But if Kovalev lands that right hand on Canelo, it also can be good night, Irene, at one time. Because he ain't <laughs> used to being hit. He ain't used to being hit by a guy that can truly crack. And we know the last thing go from an aging fighter, is this power. And if Kovalev laying one of those right hands on the kitchen, man, I believe it's good night. And with Buddy McGirt being the exclamation point, you know, hey, I I think Canelo is biting off a little bit more than he can chew, and that's what makes this fight this weekend so interesting. And I don't know why they don't have the champ. Sitting ringside, commentating (laughs) this big big fight this weekend.
1: How can they be doing it without the champ? Man? Uh, well, Tarver time just gave me the full breakdown because I was even going to work my way to a prediction and you pretty much gave me one that's there. So, all right, you gave me a lot. I want to back up to Kovalev only nine weeks removed from that fight uh, with Yard. Uh, that was not an easy fight. I mean, it was a fight where he was in trouble in his hometown in Russia in the 8th round and maybe uh, a punch or two away from not only being knocked down or being stopped in that 8th round, he rallies, he wins, heart of the champion. You are not concerned that at 36 years of age that there's not enough recovery time here at 8 or 9 weeks before he's right back in there. He said himself earlier this week, I would have liked to have had another week or two. It doesn't concern you that much that that he's back this quickly, Kovalev?
0: Well, I mean, if that's going to be a negative thing, then they really, you, you can say that's great matchmaking, and that's giving Canelo an advantage. I don't know if he's rested, if his body is rested. He's He didn't have time to get out of shape. Right. And I think that could be in his favor. You know what I mean? Because, you know, like me, I, I took some time away from boxing, then I just had a big fight in two months, so I had to crash everything down, I didn't have a chance but he never got a chance to get out of shape, and if his body is rested, and all he had to do is really just stay sharp, he didn't really have to, you know, he just had to fine tune, he really didn't have to really do that rugged training that you have to do three, four weeks prior to having those taper down weeks, relaxing weeks where you're just eating and resting you're doing floor work You're doing the more mental preparation. So, you know, if Kovalev, which I know Buddy McGirt approached this right, he didn't have to really overtrain. He didn't have to overtrain. He's well-rested. He could be a better Kovalev prepared for this fight than he was nine, ten weeks ago. So, you know, um, knowing Buddy McGirt, the expert he is, I believe they're going to be more than ready. And uh, like I said, if it works against him, I think Kovalev and them did great matchmaking. If it don't, then it's going to be a he's going to be a problem this weekend.
1: Love it, former undisputed light heavyweight champ. Love me some Antonio Tarver, <laughs> one of my Tampa brothers from another mother. We have not uh, been on a golf course recently. We need to be. But the champ's also hitting the heavy bag and still sparring and still doing his stuff and still working with his son uh, as well, Antonio Jr. So. Um. All right. I filled you in a little bit before we began the interview officially that Canelo and Oscar are not exactly seeing eye to eye. Oscar De La Hoya is his promoter. And Canelo is unhappy from earlier this summer being stripped of one of the titles out of his undisputed uh, belt collection at the middleweight uh, division, and and so this was an awkward press conference Wednesday with Canelo right but Tarver right beside Oscar, not looking at him, not acknowledging him, didn't shake his hand, didn't smile. It was wow. it was ice earlier uh in the week at the press conference so the question would be to you is that a potential distraction here uh for canelo the media is playing it up you know how we are we're playing it up is this a distraction uh what about it what do you believe is this a problem that could get in the ring and get in canelo's head saturday
0: night hey tj like i told you i think so i mean because you know it's a distraction people are asking questions you can't stop the media from being inquisitive about what's going on somebody's going to try to get the inside scoop and it just takes away from canelo you know focusing in on one of the biggest fights of his career and you know uh but they have some pros around to maybe buffer that thing you know hopkins is there they're going to try to you know make sure canelo stay focused but i mean hey how can you not Delahoya is a major presence a major presence and if there's uh, you know enough tension in the room that you can cut it with a knife <laughs> i mean that 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 thing is going to be detrimental to the camp you know any type of negative it kills a positive vibe no matter what and if that team is is shaky and they and they're fighting within man it could perfect his uh, performance of course of course mm. all right you've
1: it been puts there a lot
0: of stress It puts extra stress on the fighter.
1: No doubt. So you've been there so many times in these big moments, especially in Vegas. For the audience on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, what is it like about five minutes before you walk to the ring? What is it like on the walk to the ring? What's going through your mind? What are your emotions as you get ready to have a huge fight, like what these two are going to do Saturday night?
0: Well, with me, man, you know, you visualized it a million times over. You just accept it. You just, you go through it. You know what I mean? You you can't plan everything, and sometimes you just got to react. So whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. But, you know, you take it, everybody's nervous. You know what I mean? You, you, you having to control that. But, you know, once you get in that square circle, the lights are on, you focus. It's, it's tunnel vision, and you just have to go through it. I mean, uh, and, the, and the ones that can stay cool, calm, and collected, you know, through all of that, are the ones that perform the best when when the lights are bright. So you got to be able to channel that.
1: Uh, some fighters uh, often talked at the highest level. I don't know that I ever heard you give this answer. I had to land a punch or get hit, not hard, and and then I knew okay, now I'm good. I, I can we just get to me landing a punch or or taking a punch and get the fight started? Were you anxious in that way? Uh, walking to the ring, waiting for the intros, national anthems. Where I got, I got to land something. I, I let's get started. Were you that way? Well, I
0: mean, you know, sometimes no, I I really didn't have, uh, didn't feel the pressure to do something right away. You hear the crowd. You don't want to have a boring fight, right? But you don't want to let the crowd dictate your move in the ring because you know you make one false mistake, it could be over. So you can't let the crowd, you know. Uh, put a pressure on you but you definitely don't want because you're a professional you don't want a boring fight so you're going to try to definitely get the fight started sooner than later but sometimes you know it's just dangerous and so you're going to have to you know just buy your time and and hopefully without you know making or making a mistake or, or putting yourself in harm's way so it, it, it's one of those things, man. But yeah, you, you want to get the fight started, but not by taking a punch. I never <laughs> I never thought to myself, oh, it was a good it's it's a good thing to take a punch. Nah. You know, uh-uh. that's never been the case, TJ. <laughs>
1: I was watching, you know, I was watching a fight with an old school heavyweight whose name is Scott Ledoux. You won't know that name. Hardcore oh, boxing yeah, fans. You L- know L- the name they'll do. He was in Minnesota. He was a heavyweight that fought like Larry Holmes, he fought like Lee. Leon Spinks. He's standing there. What's I think. Before, oh, all right, Canadian. so Scott Ledoux Canadian. Canadian. Okay. So Ledoux is standing there pre-fight instructions. And you know what he did? I swear to you, this is televised. You can see it on YouTube. He's standing there across from Leon Spinks, and the ref is asking, are there any questions? Blah, blah, blah. And he hit himself in the jaw and in the side of the head with his right hand. He hit himself. Almost like, okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna be awake. He hit himself. So I'm just pointing wow. out fighters are strange uh, when they do things like that. They got to focus different ways. I guess that helped him lock in. That hey, I'm just gonna warm myself up by by yeah, giving that, myself that, a quick pop on the right cheek. That, 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 that Ledoux, Ledoux did that, that for real. So yeah, that
0: was throwback throwback.
1: Oh, I know they would they would brawl they they would do it all. Um, yeah. all right. So before I let you promote everything, including your <laughs> son and, and what you're up to, I'm gonna ask it both ways. If if Canelo, and Canelo is the favorite. If Canelo's winning Saturday night against Kovalev, it's because of why, and maybe it's a couple of whys. Why, why does he win or a couple of whys? Why?
0: Well, I think his speed. I think his speed is a real issue for Kovalev. And, and uh, if he gets inside, I think that that's advantage Canelo. Um, he's going to have to definitely get inside because I can't see him uh, setting, uh, you know, uh, setting his traps outside of Kovalev who stands about six one and a half, six two. I, I can't see that. And with that reach, Canelo and who's been really looking really good with his defense lately, man, surprisingly, you know, um, Canelo has really turned into a, a you know, a complete fighter. So I, I think he's uh really coming to his own. And if he can get inside Kovalev and 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 have success, it's gonna be a long night for Kovalev. And I see Canelo stopping him I don't see Kovalev taking that punch. Interesting.
1: All right, so but if Kovalev wins, it's because he keeps uh, Canelo at a distance and lands the big right hand you were talking about and shakes Most him.
0: Most definitely, he keeps him on. keeps him at bay with the distance and a nice jab, and he's uh, you know he lands that right hand. I mean that can that can shed the lights out at any time. You see him. You've seen him do that with his last fight as well as fights in the past where it, it's only taken. One punch. He truly has one punch knockout power.
1: Mm -mm -mm. All right. Promote away. They can go to officialantoniotarver.com. Tell me more social media and otherwise. And I know you got your son up and coming uh, as well. Promote away, Antonio Tarver, on how and where we find the Magic Man.
0: Well, you know, all social media platforms at Antonio Tarver. There's a lot going on, TJ. We're just going to put these things together. And by the time they see me, then everything will be out there. And uh, just working hard, building. And uh, I think in 2020, Junior is going to take off. He's ready.
1: I love that. And we've seen him on some fights here in the last couple of years. So look out for that. Love this man. Love the fact that he comes on with me. Uh, I I have not been on the golf course with him recently. I don't know if I have to give him strokes. He probably needs to give me strokes because I remember he can hit it close. He can hit it a long way. Love that about Antonio Tarver. Tarver time, thank you. I hope we get a good one with Canelo and Kovalev Saturday night. Thank you for hopping on the Big Fight Weekend podcast with me, brother.
0: Hey, no problem at all, man. I look forward to doing it again real soon.
1: Plenty, plenty on the plate. In fact, uh, he's cleaned his plate. He's had his chips and butty. He is ready to go here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I always love uh, the boxing writer's insight, but especially when he's satisfied, when he's fulfilled, he's had a good meal, um, and he's ready to mix it up with me and recap what happened last weekend at the O2 Arena in London. And look ahead as well to Canelo Kovalev, which will be coming on Saturday in Las Vegas. David Payne, hello there. Good to have you back here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast, sir. It's
2: great to be back on the uh, on the podcast with you, TJ. Great to be in buoyant mood after a fabulous weekend. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about that and the fights coming up too.
1: Let's do it. Uh, okay, let's go with the main event. Uh, Regis Progress, Josh Taylor. So many times we hype fights, we talk about fights, and they don't come anywhere close to the hype, the build up, the conversation. This one was close, if not right on the money, for one of the top lighter weight fights of the year that everybody had been talking about for weeks and months. And in the end, Josh Taylor gets the decision uh winning the world boxing super series winning the junior welterweight uh unification fight getting two belts now in the 140 pound division the scotsman victorious over the american progress uh, you have written about this on your site BoxingWriter.co.uk. what are your feelings a few days after david uh
2: well as i commented at the time um the adrenaline after the, watching that fight uh took some subsiding um It was an incredible fight. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed writing about it. I enjoyed watching it. I've enjoyed interacting with fans all over the world on uh, Twitter about that fight. It really did live up to the expectations that we had for it and and more. Um, Tremendous fight. Tremendous performance from both fighters. Both um, will have gained new fans uh, on the back of that performance. Both will have learned a great deal about themselves. Uh, yeah, just tremendous action and definitely a fight of the year contender and one that will go down in the folklore of boxing, I think, long beyond the uh, long after the careers of uh, Taylor and Prograve come to a close. Uh, just a fabulous, fabulous spectacle for boxing
1: fans. We assume that most that are hearing us either saw it or saw the highlights. There are perhaps some that did not. Uh, the pay per view was on during the middle of a college football Saturday afternoon for a lot of American sports fans, so they they would have missed out if they were <clears throat> not paying attention. I, I was uh, I impressed. I, I impressed. I think is the right word with how both were willing to stand in and trade and and give and take, uh, take risk of taking big punches uh with it all on the line that was that was refreshing to see this was this was a fight uh that there was it was not long on uh boxing and movement and the jab it was more close quarters i'm willing to take one if i can land one or two right
2: um well a couple of things there i think the word you used about it being refreshing is certainly true uh after a a long year of hits and misses along the way and all sorts of stories that we don't like to talk about it was refreshing to see two unbeaten guys in the prime of their career putting pretty much all the baubles on the line and and going for it absolutely um and often when we look back on fights of the year we look back to things like uh ward Gatti, etc we kind of have a notion in our mind that it's an absolute slugfest, up and down, dramas, knockdowns, comebacks, etc. This was something different. Um, The the technical uh, ability on show, the precision, the quality, the minute adjustments that both made to try and seek an advantage, the gaps they found with their punches, it was absolutely fabulous. And you are absolutely right in respect of Um, They were very willing to stand in range and have a fight. Um, But I don't think it would fall into that um, kind of slugfest pigeonhole uh, because it it was a much higher calibre fight than that tag suggests. Um, Both were exceptional in in what they did. They made precious few mistakes considering the close quarter action in play. It really was terrific to watch. And if any of the American fans haven't caught up with it, and we do live in an age when we're uh, inundated with things to do and things to watch. It's worth a rewatch even if you know the result. I would uh, give it the benefit of half an hour through the between between rounds and, and take it in because it was fabulous and it's a fight we'll talk about for a long time.
1: I thought it was also interesting they they both were uh, were bruised and bloodied, but the the right eye of Josh Taylor. Uh, gnarly is the word that I will use. <laughs> Started to get worse in the 11th and the 12th round. And, and look, we we've known for more than 30 years now. They don't go 13, 14, 15 rounds anymore. But had had that fight had a 13th round, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? But uh, I, I don't know that he could have continued to be able to not see out of that eye. It had gotten that bad. So uh, in a way, it was good fortune. Uh, That the fight and everybody understands the fights are twelve rounds, but it was good fortune that that eye was not worse a little earlier for Josh Taylor that it got as bad as it did in the twelfth, and there was no thirteenth. What's your take on that, David?
2: Well, that's certainly true. Um, uh, In that hypothetical situation, it would have been certainly would have been problematic going into a thirteenth round. Uh, and they may have taken a different view in the 11th and 12th had they known it was going to go 15 before he even got to the 13th. So I think the, the, the knowledge that the, the end of the fight was so close, uh, there was never really any doubt that he was going to make it through to the end of the fight unless Progray could bring an end to, to matters. Um, but yeah, the, the, Taylor is a, he's a fascinating fighter to watch. Um, he had reach and height advantages in this fight. Uh, but he struggled to deploy them because Progray's movement was so good. He, he struggled to find to find him at range, so he made an adjustment and he and he stepped in closer and sacrificed that height and reach, uh, and used his strength and perhaps superior size, to, which was probably the telling advantage over the 12 rounds. I think he was he was always the one just throwing the last punch, just with a slight heavier. Work uh, uh, worked to the body and head just uh, and I just made the difference. I had it very close on the scorecards and I wouldn't have um, complained at a draw or even a pro grey win by a round. I had Taylor by two, but a lot of the rounds were very, very close. Often pro grey starting the round stronger and Taylor finishing the round stronger, particularly through the middle round. So fascinating fight and I will look forward to seeing pro grey fight again much that I will hope also that Taylor can get that uh, Ramirez unification fight and uh, become unified champion at the 140 division.
1: Uh, So you kind of read my mind. We've done this enough now talking to each other where you kind of know where I'm going and I know where you're going. Do you believe that we will in some time frame, let's say, of the next 18 months or so, potentially see a rematch in this fight this was so good i'd love to see it again can we see it again maybe late 2020 early 2021 for these guys speculate please
2: i think it's possible um taylor has said that his his number one priority is to get the ramirez um fight he's the owner of i think the wbc and uh, one of the other belts um the mix of the belts escapes me for a second was he's got he's got the wbo and the wbc Taylor has the IBF and the WBA. right? Uh, so that's, that's a, a potentially fantastic fight, too. And that's his number one priority. And he has said over the last 24 hours that if he's successful in getting that fight and successful in that fight, then he may look for the big names at welterweight. So it's possible that if there is to be a rematch, it may need to be a division further up. But of course... <laughs> Plans and reality are often distant cousins in the boxing game, so who knows what we might see next from from both fighters. I I certainly would uh, tune in if there was a rematch in, in five months
1: or two years. Uh, Well put. And by the way, he's been trading barbs uh, late last night with Gervonta Davis, uh, who's been (laughs) fighting at 126 or 130 and would have to uh, move way up uh, in weight to be able to make that happen. But just throw that out there as well, that they were on social media going back and forth about fighting each other, for whatever that's worth. So that was somewhat entertaining if you were following online earlier in the week. The Voice of David Payne with me. Big Fight Weekend podcast. I love the insight. Uh, we We love David's work on his own website, Box. Scenewriter.co.uk. From time to time, he allows us uh, to put that work on our site as well, bigfightweekend.com. We will be talking Canelo Kovalev in a couple of uh, moments in the preview mode. Stay with us on that. But I still want to go back to this Saturday night show. Derek Chisora, uh, the British heavyweight, uh, victorious on Saturday. Fill in opponent uh, on three weeks' notice, and David Price. Uh, okay, it's a win for Chisora, yes, mission accomplished. I, I thought in watching these four rounds, sloppy at times. Chisora eventually gets him out of there uh, with a fairly solid punch. I, I, I was a little curious that uh, his corner was jumping in the, in the ring, Price's corner, to go ahead and stop the fight. Those are my takes on it. I, I'd love to have your, your feedback on Chisora's win, and does it set him up? uh, for a future important fight here soon in 2020. What do you think?
2: Um, I enjoyed the fight. It, 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 I suppose it largely unfolded how the majority of us would have expected it to in respect of if price couldn't find him early, then he probably wouldn't be able to discourage him. And the longer it went on, one could assume that Chizora's better natural fighting engine would, would prevail. Um, Both have had chequered pasts in terms of performances. Chisora is disappointed when set up to progress in the past when younger than he is now. And Price is disappointed when, um, again, well set for for world title opportunities. So it may prove to be the end for David Price. It's another victory with some merit, considering it was a short um, notice opponent for Chisora. And he is now well-placed on the back of two or three consecutive wins to perhaps find himself um, in line for a, for an unexpected shot, perhaps a, a, a fractured title picture that we might see in, in, the, in the new year. Or maybe as a comeback opponent, as we mentioned, I think a week or two ago, for someone who may lose again, uh, mentioning no names, Anthony Joshua. Um, that would, <laughs> to my mind, just plain matchmaker... Uh, um, hypothetical matchmaker would make a lot of sense for a Joshua that lost to Ruiz again, should Joshua wish to continue. And that played out that way. So he's in the mix. He's in and around that top 10, top 12 sort of guy. So who knows with three or four of the champions or the the elite names, if you like, looking for opponents because they don't fight each other often enough, as we've said before, then Chisora could find himself in there. And uh, on the right night with the right camp and the right preparation, Uh, nothing is impossible for Big Derek. He could land one of those big overhand rights and and cause a shock too. Um, So we we will see. It was a fun fight while it lasted. It may prove to be the end for David. Uh, That's his seventh knockout defeat, although he finished on his feet this time. And it's hard to see where he would go that would interest him now. I think he um, has probably played all of his cards now. Uh, And I wish him well if he chooses to retire because he's always tried his best. He's sometimes not been good enough. He may leave with some frustrations, but he'll leave with his health and uh, a few quid in the bank, and that's what's most important.
1: Agreed on that. Just sort of, again, 36 years old. Thirty-two and nine. Now is the record. He he and his manager David Hay calling out uh, Usyk Alexander Usyk as a possible opponent. I, I don't know that that happens uh, anytime in the near future. Usyk may be in line for a WBO uh, title fight, particularly uh, if there's a situation where that belt becomes vacant after Ruiz and Joshua. Let's see. Let's see how the heavyweight that's drama, a, the politics fun, play out. Go ahead. Yeah,
2: that's a fun, that's a fun fight though, TJ. I mean. Usyk's got to go somewhere, and he can't. He surely can't leap from Witherspoon to a title shot. Um, I know there may be there may be cause. It might be an interim title, etc. So it may be a lesser opponent. But to my mind, someone like Derek Chisora um, wouldn't be easy. Um, technically, it might be easy, but he does have a significant natural size advantages and potentially power advantages too. So that would be a fun fight. That would be an interesting contest. It might be one of those where Usyk does it relatively easy, but it could quite easily become a bit of a war. That And um, I'd certainly be intrigued to see that as a stopgap before or as a next stepping stone for Usyk into this heavyweight division.
1: Would be interesting uh, on that. All right, so let's stick with kind of the British uh, theme and the news. I wrote about this when the news broke Monday that 55-year-old former uh, junior middleweight and middleweight uh, world champion Nigel Benn was looking to come out of retirement in November after 23 years away. And you heard me right, at 55 years of age, a guy that I remember fighting back in the 80s when I was a teenager watching Nigel Benn was going to come back and fight. He has now suffered a shoulder injury. Uh, the fight for late November is off. Uh, and I got the sense uh, you said this just before we began the interview officially that you wanted to talk about this you're kind of relieved because I I believe you were concerned we even talked off the air when we saw each other in England a couple of weeks ago uh, briefly about this fight that there was real health concern here for what could happen to Nigel Benn at 55 years of age but I won't I won't bottle you up here I want you to give me your thoughts now that the fight is not happening David for Nigel Benn
2: um I think all of boxing all of all of us, with some humanity, are pleased that the fight's not happening, TJ. A 55-year-old man, 23 years, retired from professional action. And let's not forget a very tired 32-year-old when he did retire after back-to-back defeats to Steve Collins. Very emotional, very worn-out fighter at that point in time. Um so we're, we're, we're pleased that the the risk that he was taking is not going to play out and we're not all going to have to hide behind the sofa while he would have taken on a very capable, old, but at 40, still very capable, Saki Obika. Um, so on the whole, the overwhelming feeling is, of course, is some sense of relief. But reading his comments today, um, it, th- there is just a tinge of sadness that a man of 55 who achieved all that he has, still feels there is something incomplete about his professional career. And I did feel a tinge of sadness reading that having got this far that he wasn't able to go through to the final step, that uh, I would never wanted it to happen. But I, I could understand or I, could, I, I had some sense of emotion for the words that he said about having to retire, well, not reti- not, not come back, because he has stated that that is it. There will not be... A three, four months' time when the injury is healed, he'll be trying to do this again. He has suggested that that is it, the baton is handed over. He can't throw the right hand anymore, despite having had some injections before a sparring session. So the game is up, um, so the story comes to an end. But I felt sad that he will go back to his home in Australia, back to his previous life, and uh, continue to support his sons, of course, but not have the completion that uh, he really ought to have had with everything that he achieved.
1: Yeah, you would think so on that point because he's a very decorated fighter that won a lot of big time fights, had nine successful title defenses uh, of the uh of the middleweight championship belt that he won uh when he did. But uh and you mentioned his son, uh, his son Connor Ben won on the undercard of the uh the Taylor Prograce fight the other night. He's got sons that have potential, and he can obviously coach them, manage their careers and kind of be around the sport through that. So We'll see what happens with Nigel Ben on uh, on that front, but the fight that fight is off. I promise we're getting to Canelo and Kovalev in a couple of moments with David Payne. But uh, I got I got to go back. We're talking heavyweights. I got to go back in the chronology, uh, the all time history anniversary midweek of the Rumble in the Jungle. Uh, We wrote about it on BigFightWeekend.com, October 30th, 1974, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Zaire, Africa. Uh, Love the historical pieces. It's the great moment for Ali uh, regaining the heavyweight uh, championship with the knockout of the seemingly invincible Foreman. Uh, so, David Payne, I, I say to you, we love the history. We love Ali, and this was obviously a humongous moment in the in the Ali career and the lore of Ali.
2: Absolutely, yes. Um, it's the the indefinable Muhammad Ali. Um, I mean, how how do we put him into words? But that that performance in the Rumble in the Jungle is one that. Echoes down the years and will echo long beyond us too, I'm sure. Um, A remarkable performance against, as you say, someone who um, dominated outstanding fighters like Joe Fraser, Ken Norton and so on. Um, Just phenomenal um, uh, fighter Foreman was, of course. But, yeah, reduced to rubble by Ali. Um, We were obviously too young to have experienced it on tv at the time but it's one we've all seen numerous times and um yeah it's just it's it's remarkable to think that after all this time we're still talking about it for, did you say 45 years ago or?
1: 45 yes sir 45, yeah.
2: So, yeah almost as old as me um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's remarkable it's, it's a remarkable thing i've said remarkable too many times but um it's, it's difficult to put well into when words. you when you <laughs> go back
1: when you go back in history. Foreman seemed so invincible. He destroyed Joe Frazier. He had destroyed Ken Norton prior to this fight. It, it looked as though <laughs> Ali, an aging Ali, w- was going to to meet a, a, a real untimely savage beating that night. Yet Ali knew what he was doing. Even if even if Angelo Dundee, the famed trainer, the late famed trainer in the corner, did not know, and the late Ali as well. Now, but the late Angelo Dundee had no had no idea what the was. Strategy actually was with the rope-a-dope, where Ali was laying back on the loose ropes uh, and and allowing himself to lay on Foreman and wear him down repeatedly. This was his strategy, was let me me lay on him with my body weight, let me hold him, let me wear him down, let me sap him of his strength, and eventually I will catch him. I will catch him with a flurry and with a big punch when he's worn down and when he's tired. The rope-a-dope became part of Boxing terminology. It's it's become part of sports. It's even become a metaphor uh, in other facets of of life now in American culture. Anyway, uh, of when everybody thinks you're defeated or when you're hurt along the ropes, you're actually in complete control and you've got a plan. You're rope a dope. You're rope a dope at somebody. Ali knew what he was doing. David Payne. Yeah, he knew what he was doing,
2: and at that time, he still had the athleticism to um, to make good on that strategy, obviously it's one he he tried again later in his career and he didn't have the athleticism, the, the, the youthfulness that he did at 32, um, back in 74. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, everything came together. Um, whether you define that, whether that's his Zenith or whether it was one of the Joe Frazier fights, the fact that he's got those two peaks is astonishing, isn't it? In, in, In and of itself. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was a truly momentous evening, obviously made all the richer by the exotic location and yep. all the storylines that came with that and uh, gave it, it, lent it its title, of course, the Rumble in the Jungle, and that um, just adds to the to the memory, the folklore uh, that it's written in now. So, um, yeah, it's good to remember. It's good to remember these great fights, and who knows, in the future, there may be looking back at one or two that we're talking about, perhaps this weekend and in, in the in the next 12 months.
1: Well, and, and one of the interesting aspects, you mentioned Joshua and Ruiz are going to be fighting in Saudi Arabia. And, of course, uh, Joshua has fought in the U.K., came to fight in the United States, and was defeated. Uh, Ali fought all over the world, globally. He became a global, literal world heavyweight champion because he was willing to fight in England. He was willing to fight in, in uh um anywhere he was he was willing to uh, to fight in Belgium, Europe islands, he, he fought Germany. in Belgium right he, he fought uh in uh, in Mexico uh, he, he, fought, he fought in South America uh and in this case he fought in North Africa uh, and everywhere he went, he was adored and loved. He truly, he truly was a global. He was really, really probably the first global world star in sports, uh, with television being a big part of that. Um, That's cool. And, and I don't think that can be overstated. On uh, on some of these guys can consider themselves world champions. <laughs> Ali was definitely, by the very definition, a literal world champion when he held that belt and he fought those different places. I didn't remember, too, in the story, I love I love going back and watching the Ali movie with Will Smith playing him uh, that's, that's more kind of a Hollywood documentary of Ali, and it culminates with the rumble in the jungle with Will Smith playing him, that Foreman actually suffered a cut in training in Africa Africa, And the fight was actually postponed, yeah. David, for another six weeks. They stayed in Africa for an additional six weeks. And the concern was that Foreman was going to give up the date and the fight and go back to the United States. And Ali went to him privately and talked to him about how important this fight was for a social reasons, financial reasons, how great it was going to be and that he needed to stay there. Ali talked him literally into staying in Africa and having the fight. It, it only adds to the lore of the rumble in the jungle, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, of course, of course. And can you imagine being a reporter on um, on the <laughs> payroll over there and having to ring the wife and say you've got to stay out here for another month because the fight's been put back? Um, yeah, yeah it's all part of that rich tapestry of that story isn't it um that they had to stay out there and um make their own entertainment and a lot of people put um the victory down to those additional weeks that um it helped Ali to get in even better shape um acclimatize better and so on and so forth and it suited him more than it suited Foreman who was a, a more of a restless creature at that time so yeah all part of All part of how we ended up with the result we ended up with. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be many more um, anniversaries and birthdays of these great fights that we'll talk about Again, in future episodes.
1: No doubt. Uh, and I, and it escaped me. He fought the thrill in Manila the next year, and we've also written about that on BigFightWeekend.com. Free plug. Just go back and look under our historical section. You can search all these uh, retrospectives we've done. The The anniversary of the thrill in Manila was September of uh, 1975, and that one in the Philippines. I was searching for the Philippines as another place where Ali went and fought among all of them. Again, a global... A global world champion, that's for sure. Cannot be overstated. All right, so now we bring it to the preview of this weekend. Canelo Kovalev, WBO, light heavyweight title fight. Um, Okay, I, I, I will put it to you here. Alvarez moves up to yet another higher weight division. There is great suspicion about him. There's previous failed drug tests about him. You've written about this on your own site, on BoxingWriter.co.uk, that the asterisk should be there next to Co- to Kovalev or to, next to Canelo, uh Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, forever for the for the failed drug tests in the past. Um, what do you make of this? What do you make of the move up to light heavyweight, um, Kovalev at 36? There, there's an interesting, intriguing younger fighter moving up, older fighter at the end here. What do you, what do you make of the whole thing?
2: Um, well, the drugs test, the asterisks that I've referred to in the article, notwithstanding, and we, we mustn't overlook that. Canelo is a exceptional fighter, um, has got an incredible resume for a man of 29 years of age. He's fought just about everybody already. It's a, a staggering if you actually trip back through his ledger. Um, so I, I don't want to devalue him as a fighter, nor... Um, ignore his achievements so far but we, we must never forget that Asterix and it's been glossed over with a six month ban um, and it didn't really cost him a great deal financially or in terms of standing or reputation it would seem however if we put that to one side for a second um, this is one of those bouts that uh, will have me with that sense of anticipation will draw me towards the edge of the seat when that first bell is going to ring as they stand opposite each other um, because as you say, it pitches some unknowns together, it pictures the veteran Kovalev, the career light heavyweight, against a guy coming up essentially from middleweight, I know he stopped off at super middleweight, but coming up from middleweight to challenge him uh, there are other great fighters at light heavyweight, but Kovalev is the best known name the, most, uh, the one with the most standing in that division and in the public um, view, so um, it's a fascinating fight and it does hark back to bygone times when the likes of uh, Tommy Hearns or um, Duran were moving up and trying to fight Hagler, etc. It, it just brings some of that to mind. It's got that tantalizing unknown about it, which we we should have. Um, I'm very excited about this fight with the asterisks notwithstanding. So looking forward to it.
1: The real key question, I believe, David Payne, is Canelo going to have enough punch here? He's had enough punch, but I mean, uh, you watch the daniel jacobs fight his last fight uh fought at 160 by the way not at 168 fought at 160 uh and there's concerns about punching power even at 160 does he i guess this is part of the intrigue that you were just mentioning here does he have enough punch here as a light heavyweight that may be the key question of this fight indeed
2: and as one can anticipate that the the, the body is going to be a key factor. They're, they're going to go for the body. Obviously, power to the body, power to the head, you might argue, is the same thing. But Kovalev has shown a, a little bit of vulnerability in that area. As a taller man, that should give Canelo some space to aim at it. He can get beneath the Kovalev jab and step side to side away from that right hand. So I would imagine the body is going to be a target area for Canelo. and I, I would think that he would have enough pop to trouble, um, to trouble Kovalev uh, in that area. Um, I would imagine that Canelo have looked at this and um, tried to look at this shrewdly, astutely, that Kovalev carries a lot of pedigree and reputation, but at 36, he must be faded from his peak. And there was evidence in the Andre Ward fight that um, the fight can be beaten out of him to some extent. And also the subdued performance he gave only a year ago fighting the other Alvarez um, before winning a rematch perhaps suggested that... um, his tools are not what they were, and that they will be able to outbox him, out-manoeuvre him, and land sufficiently well to get a, a, a wide points decision. I think that's that will be their anticipation, that they'll be too quick on their feet. I say they. Canelo will be too quick on his feet, and he will be able to land to the body and discourage Kovalev. Um, what's good about this, I think, what was part of the attraction of this is that they feel like very active fighters, don't they? I know it's a few months since uh, Canelo fought, but it's only a couple of months since Kovalev fought against okay a uh, unqualified Anthony Yardo, but it, it it's kept them in it's kept him in focus, it's kept it fresh. And this quick turnaround to this fight, I think, is part of the attraction and part of the reason I'm excited about it. It's not a long drawn out build up. Here we are, all of a sudden, talking about another Canelo and another Kovalev fight, and they're f- facing each other. I'm I'm very excited about it. i shall uh, certainly be making sure I'm watching this one.
1: Like it. And again, uh, Canelo uh, last fought in May. In Kovalev's case, it's a nine-week turnaround since the yard fight. Uh, Let's see if that is a factor in terms of conditioning the later this one goes or not. Uh, maybe Maybe it will be the deciding factor. Uh, Does Canelo have enough punch? I'm asking that, too. We'll find out. Kind of a theme here on the podcast. David Payne, always good to have you on here. Let's plug away on where they can find what you're writing, on what you're up to socially and otherwise, besides keeping me in the middle of the road on the podcast. Plug away, please, sir.
2: Oh, well, always great to be on. Uh, Thank you again. Um, Get in touch with me on uh, social media via Twitter, at TheBoxingWriter. To the website that um, TJ very kindly mentions is BoxingWriter.co.uk. I also do some feature and preview stuff for Gambling.com, and I've just finished a Jake LaMotta piece that, as I've mentioned before, nearly killed me. It'd be great if some people read it. <laughs> uh, so seek see that out, if you will. Uh, well, tell them,
1: because you told me, tell them why it has intrigue and why it's on Gambling.com, because I think you're well, going to whet it, their it, appetite more. Go.
2: Okay, okay, I'll try my best. Um, The specific angle that the gambling.com website people were looking for, as you might anticipate, was surrounding the um, well-documented Jake LaMotta-Billy Fox fight, which LaMotta would later reveal he deliberately threw in order to land a shot at the middleweight title, a shot he wouldn't get for a further two years because of the controversy surrounding the Fox defeat. Uh, But I've tried to imagine the, uh, the day of the confession And try to paint a picture around that and the people involved and the mafiosa and all the the connected um, overcoats that were involved in the boxing back in the 50s and uh, late 40s. So give it a read. I put a lot of work into it. So it would be great to have some readership for it. And you'll find that at gambling.com. And uh, if you take a peek for David Payne. I'm sure you'll be able to stumble across it. But so thanks for that opportunity, TJ, as always. And um, uh, great to be on the podcast again.
1: It is always great to have David Payne on with me. Let's see what happens with Canelo and Kovalev. Read this man on his site. We also repurpose his stuff from time to time on BigFightWeekend.com. David, thank you. I do appreciate it, sir. We uh, we always love the chats. Let's hope we get a good one in Las Vegas. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Still to come on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We're anxious to hear from senior writer from the website, from BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns. Also, I'll talk simultaneously with T.C. Martin out in Las Vegas, T.C. Martin Show out in Vegas. I love his insight. He's on five days a week out there. Huge fight guy. Has great insight on this Canelo Kovalev show. We'll talk to both of those guys coming up in a little bit. Reminder again uh, here to utilize Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Wherever you're hearing the podcast, not just for boxing, but also college football, the NFL, the NBA that started up. We've got a promo code for boxing, but it's good for any sport right now. Big Fight Ten, take ten percent off your order on the secondary market with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Big Fight Ten takes ten percent off, up to fifty dollars. Get great seats to this Kovalev uh, Canelo fight, any of the boxing that's going on in Carson, California, in Oxon Hill, Maryland, with the FS1 show. All these all these fights that are going on on Saturday. Get your tickets at Vivid Seats. College football, the NFL, all of it with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app and our promo code BIGFIGHT10. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. We do roll along. It is a Big Fight Weekend podcast. Reminder, again, to subscribe to this podcast. Wherever you found it, however you found it, it comes automatically to you when there's a new edition via iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button. It comes right to your handheld device, your iPad, etc. You can hear the show Whenever we put a new one out. I'm gonna call in senior writer, bigfightweekend.com, the purveyor, the overseer, the man that makes sure that we have lots of compelling content. And oh, do we have something to write and talk about this weekend with Canelo and Kovalev? Marquise Johns, how you feeling? Good to have you back on the podcast, sir.
3: Pretty good, TJ. This is what we're all waiting for. We've seen the commercial over and over again with your music. Canelo's in action this weekend.
1: Yes, finally, fight season ongoing. And to help give us insight, O.L. On location, as I like to say, T.C. Martin, who does a fantastic job with the T.C. Martin Show out in Vegas uh, weekday afternoons. We've had him on this podcast before. Love his insight on anything with the fistic arts with uh, with boxing. And he's been right there for the press conferences, the build up for this fight here as we... Uh, welcome him back and tc good to have you i know you're hanging out at the time that we're talking to you at a sports book uh it, it's been some kind of week here with the fighters arriving and we're almost to saturday night right good to have you
4: yeah great to be here tj Marquise. Uh, yeah fight week in vegas always an exhilarating time and anytime canelo is in vegas it's even uh, more so so uh looking forward to saturday night
1: All right, so to follow up on that point, you've been around. We've had you on earlier. We talked about Manny Pacquiao with you and that title fight with Keith Thurman. You've been around uh, for recent other title fights, whether it be with Canelo or other name fighters. Deontay Wilder has fought there. Uh, as well, uh, Tyson Fury. Recently, this summer, we had you on for that. Compare this right now. I know we're still a little ways away from Saturday night, but compare it to when Canelo Alvarez is involved and what it's like. Set the scene for us.
4: You know, Canelo and Manny are probably the the two biggest uh, draws here in Vegas because they both have their, you know, their, you know, national fans. You know, obviously Pacquiao with the Philippines and and Canelo, uh, you know, with the Mexican population. But, you know, just both of those guys are just universal as well, too. I will be honest with you, uh, the, the hype and the buildup for this fight is actually dragging a little bit, and a lot of that is because it's Sergey Kovalev. you got a very interesting, intriguing, and historic fight here with Canelo Alvarez. I'm sure you guys you know know the angle there, you know, winning, you know, uh, could be, you know, four-division, you know, titleists come Saturday night, and that's the reason why he took this fight to set history here, but Sergei Kovalev, who has fought you know here numerous times, the two Andre Ward fights going back a year, year and a half ago, and Sergey just is not a fan favorite, especially here in Las Vegas, so uh, Sergei's trying to make history. Uh, he's saying that, hey, people are booing him. He wants to turn this thing around uh, on Saturday night, but it just does not, at this point in time and at the press conference yesterday, does not have that buildup that you would uh, anticipate. Surely not the atmosphere of Canelo, the Triple G fights that we saw here before, but we've seen this with Canelo with, uh, you know, Chavez Jr. and, and other, and Amir Khan, it didn't have that type of build up as well, too. So I think, you know, for fight fans, they want to see Canelo, but, uh, they're not excited to see Sergey Kovalev
1: interesting all right so again you would think that a lot of the mexican uh fans and particularly the mexican americans mexican fans that love to descend on las vegas will be there and will hype it up more as we turn to friday nights friday turns into saturday morning saturday afternoon we'll find out but tc's given us an early read marquise johns does that surprise you a little bit to hear that the buzz is not quite there like you think
3: it might be not as much as I should have actually. Now that I think about it, mainly because Kovalev just was done fighting his home fight in Russia against Anthony Yarde, so it has happened. As, uh, his his travel over to Vegas for this fight. When uh, let's be honest, T.J. Uh, T.C. Uh, Kovalev's a, a severe dog in this fight. And you don't want to see travel across the country to see their man lose. So they're all staying home. That's why the constituents behind Kovalev isn't there where normally would be.
1: Interesting. Uh, Okay, so I asked Antonio Tarver this earlier. TC, with Kovalev having fought just nine weeks ago, Tarver said that's not a concern to him because he didn't have time to get out of shape. Uh, what's your opinion? Has that been played up a bunch in the media and in the buildup about a nine-week turnaround as opposed to like three or four months in between one of these fights for
0: him?
4: No, it actually hasn't been talked about uh, at all, and, they, and Kovalev really hasn't even talked about it. And I think any time that you're a fighter, you need that, that recovery period, and, and the fighters love to have that recovery period. But, you know, Canelo was calling all the shots here. As you know, Canelo called out Kovalev. He's the one that, uh, that wanted this fight, and basically Kovalev had to take uh, this fight uh, on Canelo's terms. And, uh, you know, Kathy Duva, you know, when she was on my show, talked with her on Tuesday, she was just saying, you know, that, that her and Sergey were just ecstatic, a- a and if they would they would have taken this fight on four or five weeks' notice. So I don't think, you know, the nine weeks is is going to probably be that big of an issue. Sergey is just hungry. He seems in good spirits. His body looks actually pretty good. Uh, he's more you know rejuvenated and revitalized because he's got Buddy McGirt in his corner now. And as we all know, what you know, last time we saw Sergey here in Vegas, it was a nightmare of what took place you uh, with him in the second Andre Ward fight, where there was infighting with his trainer. His trainer was openly negotiating with. Uh, Andre Ward's camp. Uh, At that point in time, (laughs) they they were. It's it's a crazy story because, you know, there was talk about this when it happened, but, you know, after the fight, we found out, well, you know, they actually wanted to get rid of the trainer during that time, but they, like Kathy and Sergey said, well, what are we going to do? The week of the fight, say, hey, uh, no, you're fired, you're gone. So, no, we have to be miserable with each other. We got to play this thing out. It was just one of the most ugly, uh, you know, fights where. You know, Sergey was claiming low blows by Andre Ward. A lot of people thought that he quit, even though it was close to the scorecards when the fight got stopped in the eighth round. But, you know, that chapter of his life, it's, life is over. He's glad that's over. He loves Buddy McGirt. And uh, it seems to be a good marriage right now. But, you know, will that trans, uh, you know, transpire into victory on Saturday night? I don't think so. But I do think that it is an intriguing fight for several other reasons.
1: Voice of T.C. Martin with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. T.C. in Las Vegas. Does weekday afternoon uh, radio. He'll be plugging and promoting here in a bit. Where you can hear him, where you can find him. I love his insight from on scene. Huge fight fan. Knows the fight game. Been in Vegas for many, many years. Love his insight. Marquise, uh, Tarver Times said to me earlier, McGirt is an advantage Uh, for Kovalev. TC just kind of laid it out there a little bit. I guess the question to you would be how big of a help do you think he can be? He obviously can't throw a punch for Kovalev uh, unless it's an all-out Royal Rumble brawl in the ring, but Gert shouldn't be throwing punches. But how how much of a benefit, how much of a help will he be to Kovalev?
3: Last fight, Kovalev was in action with Yarday. You can see him in the corner pretty much helping him out in terms of psychologically saying, like, hey, you're losing this fight, and then you proceed to later on in the fight and knock Yardy out to stop him in the 10th round. For if, if, McGirt, also, as TC mentioned, that he has an actual trainer that's actually willing to work with him. It also helps as well, where you're not, you know, lobbying for upper positions, <laughs> halfway through a fight. That's always a bad <laughs> sign. So with McGirt in the corner, it's good to have. Obviously, as you mentioned before, TC, McGirt's not going to be able to throw punches in the ring legally uh, in the sanctioned fight. But I do wonder if, with with Kovalev and McGurk in this, with this fight going against Alvarez, what are you have a game plan where Alvarez, because all I've been hearing for the weeks leading up to this fight is uh, how Kovalev has been weak against the body, which I kind of think, guys, is a kind of weak defense for any analysis or any boxing. Let's be honest. Anybody gets hit to the body, they're going down, right? Not just Kovalev. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how are you going to even mass that for him in terms of Pretty much Alvarez being a counter puncher and pretty much just punching around him. We'll see if he's able to actually box whip uh, in this fight against Alvarez on Saturday.
1: Well, and Alvarez is known as a good body puncher as well. So that may be something he can take advantage of. I want to get to the drama of the press conference midweek. So we're not there. We're detached. TC, you were there in the room at the MGM Grand uh, at the press conference. Where again, uh, Canelo looked like he had less use for Oscar than a rectal exam. I mean, he wanted no part of looking at him, talking to him, shaking his hand. Again, you can speak to it better. You were in the room. How how legit is this apparent rift, and is it potentially a distraction?
4: Yeah, uh, answer to your questions: both yes and yes. Uh, definitely a distraction, and you know, I when you saw this. This uh, when they were sitting next to each other at press conference, it was totally different than any other previous press conference that we've seen. And you got to remember, Oscar and Canelo have been together since 2010, so we're going on nearly 10 years here. And usually, they're joking with each other, they're throwing praise at each other, they're having fun with each other. There was it, it was like you had a 10 foot wall between these two. It was uh, very strange. It was very weird. Uh, you know Oscar was not really involved that much in the press conference. Uh, he made his opening statements in both Spanish as well as uh, as in English and then he sit, sat down and never spoke again and uh, yeah there was uh, there was nothing there and in Before the press conference started, uh, there were reporters that were asking Canelo what he thought uh, about this and and he was open and said, "This is." business right now he goes there is nothing personal between oscar and i he goes this is strictly and only business so i think that that says a lot another thing here that you guys might want to uh, take note of for the first time ever canelo brought his own translator because he did not want to have a golden boy translator and a lot of the times oscar will, will translate for canelo He brought his own translator outside of the Golden Boy family.
1: (laughs) Don't change my answers. Don't dress them up. Don't don't spin it your way. That's uh, that's interesting. Uh, BYOT, right? I mean, usually it's BYOB for the adult beverages. <laughs> BYOT for bring your own translator uh, to the press conference. That's the voice of T.C. Martin in Las Vegas. Marquise Johns also here, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. I'm merely TJ. It's the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It is Canelo Alvarez. It is Sergey Kovalev. It is Saturday night light heavyweight championship. Marquise, to you, big question mark is can canelo punch effectively as a 175 pound fighter we don't know the answer until saturday night what is your educated guess
3: i have a feeling TJ, that he can he's been saying uh, leading up to this fight that, that he, he feels like he's at his normal weight and we, we hear all the like previous fights before like the one with jacobs where there's been these weird re- rehydration clauses and everything behind him up beforehand now Canelo's actually at his normal weight fighting at a normal size against an opponent at a normal weight of 175. He's going to be able to punch at him. It's just a question of how is Canelo, if he gets hit, how he's going to be able to respond back to it.
1: And Tarver kept saying to us, I know I keep referencing that interview, that Kovalev's big right hand is unlike anything that Canelo has felt yet because it's a light heavyweight right hand. So that's taking a punch. Uh, TC, do you believe Canelo has enough punch to impact this, this fight at 175, moving up a couple of weight divisions? Yeah, I,
4: I do. And when you look at uh, the history and guys that Canelo have fought, actually I think that he's going to sound crazy because we're talking about lighter weight guys. But when you're talking about you know, Triple G, you're talking about Miguel Cotto and people like that, I actually believe that they actually you know, punch harder than Sergey Kovalev. Kovalev years ago, you can make that case, but if you look at the, the Kovalev from Andre Ward, the past Andre Ward fights, uh, I, I, just don't, I just don't see it. And an interesting tale that, that I picked up here, guys, and you can go back and look at photos. Actually, I've got one on my website. You can see when they're doing the stare down, and, and Sergei is, is in a T-shirt and Canelo is in a suit. I just want you to look at the arms between these two guys and look how slender or skinny Kovalev's arms look. In, 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 in the, in the stare-down. And to me, that tells a lot. And, you know, I just, you know, I love Sergei Kovalev, but I really think that, that believe it or not, he's bit off more than he can chew here, and Canelo mm. can definitely handle his own. He handled his own at, at 168. We saw him against Rocky Feely at the Garden, and I understand it's Rocky Feely. But the bottom line <laughs> is, he's going to be able to carry this weight with him uh, up above against a guy like Sergei Kovalev. And uh, I, I, I don't see Canelo having that much of a problem. But again, that's why this is an intriguing fight. And if you look at it from a betting standpoint, this is what the sportsbooks believe and even bettors believe. That's why Canelo Alvarez is a minus 500 favorite because he's probably going to be able to carry the weight.
1: Mm, interesting. What? And you're there in a sports book right now. What's the under-over on rounds? I'm always curious about those in these intriguing fights. Is it something like 8, 9? Is it higher than that on yeah, the under-over it, to bet it, it? It, it,
4: it? It's actually 10. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's between 10 wow. and 10.5 on, on where, where you get. And I think a lot of people remember how Kovalev got worn down in the Andre Ward fights. Uh, even that first one, you got to remember, he tired. And he probably could have won that fight if he didn't tire and the second ward fight, he basically quit. And he was wearing down again. I mean, he's he's not in the best condition now. What we're hearing from his camp is that he's in better shape now because he's with Buddy McGirt. But you guys bring up a good point about the nine-week thing, too. And I want to add one thing because I know that you were talking to Marquise about you know the body punching and this and that. When I, when I talked to Bernard Hopkins yesterday and had him on the show, we specifically talked about Canelo's chances of winning this fight. And it was Bernard said, because of Canelo's prowess to punching to the body, and he is going to go to the body big time in this fight. That's why I think that Can- uh, Canelo eventually will wear down Sergey
1: Kovalev. Very interesting stuff from T.C. Martin. We'll let him plug more about his show in just a moment. Marquise, did I leave anything else out here that you're curious about? Any other angle to this? Anything you want to ask T.C.? He's out there again. We're jealous of him. He will be there. He'll be in the house for Canelo and Kovalev, MGM Grand Garden Arena, Saturday night. Light heavyweight title on the line. WBO version of the light heavyweight title. Canelo going for history.
3: Anything else, Marquise? Just one thing, TJ. Actually, yeah, TC, uh, since you are out there for media week, you mentioned how it's kind of dragged a little bit. Do you think anything has to do with that because the story broke about these two not getting along anymore where it's been kind of like this weird Berlin law kind of thing going on uh, for the most part?
4: No, I don't think that has any effect at all. And we see this a lot with with, with fights here in in Vegas. If you don't have a a crowd favorite on one side, uh, it, it makes it tough, really, to sell this fight. Now uh-huh. they're they're selling tickets, but the fight has not been sold out yet, which is which is a little bit strange with the, with the Canelo situation. That just speaks to you know the, the lack of Kovalev backers here. And again, you got to remember the last two fights that the Las Vegas and, and people here on the West Coast saw of Sergey Kovalev. He it, it was not impressive. The second fight with Andre Ward, not impressive. And again, he's just he's just. He's, not, camp, a he's camp, not a draw. He's not. a Russian, he's and not he's a not draw. a draw. He, right. He's not. But I will say this: Come Saturday night, Canelo Alvarez will have that building electrified. You will have, you know, close to thirteen thousand, you know, fans in there. There will be a pro Canelo crowd, and it will be, it'll feel great. So you'll you'll probably have a walk up crowd. Eventually, it will be sold out, and it'll be a one sided crowd. But uh, you know, so the the buzz is is not quite there. But I think when Saturday comes. Uh, when it's, it's kind of like the, the only show in town for that night, I, I think the, it'll start to buzz. But no one is, is even mentioned or even talking about the the Canelo rift with Oscar and that sort of thing. There was a little bit of a story last week, but it really didn't have too much effect here locally.
1: Interesting. and And it should be pointed out, Uh, Part of the part of the problem, it goes back to the root of the problem with De La Hoya. They couldn't make a fight. They were trying to have it for Mexican Independence Day weekend in September. It didn't happen. That's a huge holiday. That's a pilgrimage holiday where he has fought before in Vegas in front of massive attention and crowds around that holiday. And instead, Tyson Fury fought uh, around that time back now, uh, eight weeks ago or so in September around that holiday. So that's, a, that's another point worth pointing out here. But still, I agree with TC. I think when it comes to Saturday evening, the building will be mostly full and electric, and they'll be behind Canelo to try to get the win. We'll see if uh, Kovalev can, uh, can pull it off. TC Martin, tell the audience on the Big Fight Weekend podcast where they can hear you more, tell us more about your social media, etc. Plug away.
4: <laughs> All right, TC Martin, show uh, on the West Coast here in Las Vegas at uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, you can tune in at tcmartinshow.com, streamed uh, live. So wherever you're at, doesn't matter, uh, tcmartinshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at tcmartin21. And, of course, always with TJ Reeves.
1: <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I love uh, any time that you're able to come on. Uh, TC, we thank you for hanging with us here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I appreciate it, sir.
4: No problem, guys. Uh, great talk with you and Marquise. Uh, enjoy the fight I'll be enjoying it and uh love talking boxing or whatever else with you guys.
1: Love that guy being willing to come on with us Marquise from being right there interesting as he said not quite the buzz as of yet the rift is clearly there will it be a distraction will it be a headache for uh Canelo with De La Hoya we'll wait and see uh if that is the case and if that is the situation for Saturday night so uh, love that you know the one thing that i want to put back out there here i don't think this can be overemphasized is canelo has not been hit by a big enough man don't, i mean rocky fielding at 168 that guy was looking for a soft place to land from the time he stepped through the ropes at the guard. Yeah, it wasn't, so yeah, it wasn't that no he was, he was, no he checked out. so kovalev hitting him that there is big intrigue on can he take that punch or not and that's what I'm curious to see because it's a it's a legit huge bigger guy and until we see that happen we don't know what happens it may buckle his legs it may wobble him and then and then game on fight on let's see let's see how that uh, that part works all right what else sir before we get out of here on the big fight weekend podcast I know there's there's also other boxing this weekend on the undercard of this uh, Canelo Kovalev card at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas and there are other fights you're paying attention to what else what else you got for me
3: Absolutely, TJ. Give me a moment. I'm going to run down the line for you. On this Kovalev Alvarez undercard, the big fight uh, as well, Ryan Garcia at a, a prospect on their pro, is, is Nicole the Main event facing Robert Duno. He's falling back in action after his previous uh, opponent, as you know, TJ, was arrested by U.S. Marshals at the Target <laughs> in Los Angeles. So he'll be in the ring. That order, was, well uh, what, about six, about
1: six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, that Avery Sparrow, his opponent from Philadelphia, got arrested by the feds. Whole fiasco, and he had problems, Garcia, with Oscar De La Hoya, because they were trying to get him to fight uh, do that night, and Garcia said, I'm not ready to fight do I haven't trained, I haven't prepped for his style and for him, and that's a tougher, different guy. He stuck to his guns, and now we get this fight uh, on Saturday. You're, you're anxious for this one, for Garcia, the young up-and-coming Californian?
3: At this point, yes. And it's funny to me, uh, when I was out uh, hanging out in Philadelphia two weeks ago for the Butterbeav-Gavazic uh, fight, ran into uh, Chris Mannix, who of course is going to be covering the fight for The Zone, and he mentioned the same thing that I want to agree with as well, is that this is a big step-up fight for him, regardless of the opponent and when he faces him, in terms of Dino as opposed to Sparrow. Sparrow would have been a better, a better opponent as well. is the one they really was pro- probably planning for all along, conspiracy theorists wise is that Sparrow obviously got arrested. That's the big fight on this card. The main undercard as well. It's going to be on the stream as well. Blair Deflair Cobbs, young prospect. Entertaining guy. He's on this he's on this card that's worth checking out as well. Outside of this, TJ, this isn't another reason why, why this card probably isn't the biggest draw in the world is that it's not the strongest card on paper as well. Another fight's also going on, uh, TJ. A uh, Saturday afternoon, big women's fight. Christine Ludo is taking on Katie Taylor out in May, uh, in the UK. That's gonna be on the the zone Saturday afternoon. That's the biggest fight on that card. You ever a uh, thing to watch for that card as well as Martin Buchholz uh, in action facing uh, the old sparring partner who faced uh, Joy uh, Javadenko and Rodney Hernandez, uh, ah. heavyweight prospect.
1: Well, and back he's, to Katie Taylor, she's a big deal, uh, obviously in in England, uh, in in Europe. And there's some talk she might eventually mix it up at some at some uh, later stage with uh, a couple of other big names. So that that's headlining on DAZN. So they've got some fights there in the UK. But I mean, we we got fights all over the place because Fox Sports One has got fight card. What do I see? ESPN and Top Rank are trying to squeeze in uh, yes. something as well on ESPN for Saturday in and around Kovalev and Canelo eventually fighting late Saturday night there on DAZN.
3: Absolutely. And let me start with the top rank card first, because actually top-ranked, once again, TJ, they, they, they did me a solid. They're putting this card actually on ESPN proper for once and not on the app, so you have to, you have to hunt and dig for it like a scavenger hunt. Uh, championship fight, by the way. Uh, Miguel Burchett facing, putting his belt in line, the WBC uh, uh, Februaryweight Championship at 130 against Jason Sosa from Philadelphia. That's going to be somewhat competitive. I expect up uh, to, uh, to get by. Uh, but in the co-main event, Jerwin Quaz is, is in action of uh, putting his 115-pound belt on the line as well. That should be interesting. He's always fun to watch as well. That's going to be on the big fight with ESPN. That's going to be on their main, main – uh, starting at 10 o'clock out in Carson, California at the uh, Dignity Sport – no one calls it that. It's the old stuff Right, know? the
1: Dignity <laughs> Health Sports Complex. Uh, There in Carson where the Chargers always uh, host an away game uh, with the opposing (laughs) team fans whenever they play in the NFL. So we got that going on. And the uh, the FS1 show is back in Maryland. Right. With Brian Castano uh, as as one of the main events in the in uh, in that show. Right. That's also on Saturday.
3: Yes, that's also on Saturday around the same time as this ESPN card. So get 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 your remote ready. Uh, this is on FS1. The big thing in this fight, uh, Brian Castano is facing Uh Wale Omotoso at, at 154. It's pretty much at this point, Castano uh, gave pretty much gave up his W version of the WBA belt a long time ago, which eventually was won in that debacle a couple of weeks ago by Estera Lotta, the guy who's three match against Ramon Alvarez, and for those who remember that that two rounds of debacle. But the big fan of FS1, of this, ki- this fight card as well, TJ. Now, uh, calling the fight, of course, is uh, Ray Flores and Boom Boom Mancini. The rotating PBC fighter this week is Jared Hurd in this video mm. guest guess, So I'm pretty sure questions one, two, and three are, why aren't you fighting J-Rock? Why are you not fighting J-Rock? And what's with the move because, at 160? Because
1: he <laughs> lost to J-Rock, and they had set up a rematch, and now Hurd doesn't want the fight, and J-Rock, I think, is searching for an opponent or, or has found an opponent to fight instead of him. That I mean, that is the question. Why does he not want to get his belts back? Why does he not want to avenge that loss?
3: Yeah, and they will have a a solid uh, a, a PBC card of number because it, it's a fit, it's a twelve fight fight card currently out of wow. Oxon Hill, Maryland. That's where it, that's where it's being scheduled. And, and I'm pretty sure will have a couple minutes to kill and ask Jared those questions for this weekend as well. But that, those are the fight cards coming on this weekend also in, in boxing as well. All right, and the big one
1: again, Canelo and Kovalev on Saturday evening. I I still think uh ultimately here uh that Canelo Alvarez will find a way to wear Kovalev down, but I'm I'm most intrigued by what happens here with uh with especially early uh Crusher Kovalev landing a big punch. He may not have as big a punch as what he used to have, but let's see. Let's see how this one Plays out, Marquise. Anything else that we left out here on what has been a very busy and full big fight weekend podcast? Anything else?
3: Just want to close out with the uh, shenanigans that happened earlier uh, today in the afternoon when we recorded this on Thursday. The WWE Crown Jewels pay per view. That's right. Tyson Fury taking on Braun Strowman. Tyson Fury came out to some very fun music, by the way. Uh, fight lasted about seven minutes Uh, it's not going to r- win any awards in any wrestling award uh, matches or any boxing but interestingly
1: either. if I can interject it, it's n- it yeah. was not a total spoof I mean uh, Fury, Fury got in there and got slammed a couple times got knocked over a couple of times he was risking a uh, potential injury in this rematch in February with Deontay Wilder if he somehow hurt himself uh, it's not like he ran from the guy, you know, did, did some prank and then ran from, I mean, they actually wrestled and they, and they ended up wrestling about six, seven minutes,
3: right? Yeah, it was a seven minute match, and it was interesting, TJ. As you know, these guys—Tyson uh, Fury is a solid. I, I saw him in Philadelphia when he was up there making the promotion, promotion for this fight. He's six eight, solid, and as you, you've seen me, TJ, he towered over me. I looked like the mm-hmm. little kid in, in camp. And it's funny watching a six guy watching a six guy running at him at full speed, doing a drop toe hold. That happened <laughs> in this wrestling match. That
1: was and I'm I'm curious because Fury, uh, who knows for sure, Fury may wrestle again in this deal if it's, if it's uh, what has been reported that he is still going to be in and around WWE for the next couple of months. Is he going to continue to get in the ring? Is he just going to do interviews and spoofs and promos? I don't know. Uh, the February fight with Wilder is looming. And again, it's predicated on Wilder winning the rematch uh, with Luis Ortiz coming at the end of the month also in Las Vegas. So... We'll see, but he definitely got in the ring and wrestled on Thursday. You can read more about it on BigFightWeekend.com. I know we're big on the historical perspective from this week. We were talking earlier with David Payne about Rumble in the Jungle. I wrote about Ali Foreman earlier on the historical perspective. You wrote about Thomas Hearns earlier this week, the hitman. The Motor City Cobra earlier this week had an anniversary as
3: well. Absolutely. Thomas Hearns this past week became the first boxing four-division champion when he uh, knocked out Martillo Roland. Uh, back in 87 fun fight by the way and despite it only blasting four rounds tough very game lawan got knocked down twice in the first they almost didn't make the bell at the end of the first round you get hear the greatness of judge mills lane and in a referring to fight you know let's get it on that never gets old fun
1: it's a lot of fun to look back on that and and even marvin Hagler on the call uh, on the commentary with tim ryan and gil clancy on the american call of thomas hearns and roldan uh, and the, the hitman kept on knocking them out uh, into the late 80s and into the early 90s uh, and then suffered uh, some losses himself. But uh, what a great fight. We, we love talking about the history on the site, not just the present. Right. But the historical uh, fights, we love writing about that and talking about those. Right.
3: Absolutely. Bigfightweekend.com, TJ, all your things, all your, your source for anything boxing related past, present and future. Love talking about the present fights. Love talking about the future fights hopefully being made. They just mentioned also earlier this week, because you know, the rematch between uh, Charlo and Harrison, too, finally out in Ontario, California. I, I don't know why they chose the <laughs> L.A. adjacent location for that fight as opposed to the original plan, which we all thought was going to be back in, you know, Br- uh, Barclays at Brooklyn for, on the 14th. That, that, was the, that was the original plan was like to be supposedly the, co- the speculation, as you know, was the co-main event. the uh, J-Rock j herd card back in Barclays being the co-main event to that right. fight, which would have been a which would have been a big fight card for free Fox TV. Now they're fighting in the later December, the twenty first, uh, out in Ontario, and I'm sure that's going to be an FS1 card because that's that's college football bowl season. So, right, we'll see we'll see how that turns out on t- on television. But no, the the fact that they got the rematch set up is, is still good to know. But you can read about that on BigFightWeekend.com as well. We're also looking forward to it this weekend, TJ. Depending on how this fight card turns out with Burrochet in Sosa if he wins he has all plans as you may have guessed he he's been saying all week and beforehand that he wants to fight uh, Vasali Lomachenko I mean at this point who doesn't but the one person to keep in mind on is in action the following week out in Fresno at the uh, home of the double-a baseball team uh, Jamel Herring who owns the WBO belt after he faces a mandatory against Lamont Roach if he advances two to one Herring is going to want Burchett he wanted Burchett when he was in When I saw him live in person back in May when he took the belt from Mantaki Ito, who was in attendance. So I'm pretty sure that he's not going to come off that stance later on.
1: Yeah, so uh, again, uh, Miguel Burchelt's fight with Sosa being in... uh In Carson, California, and again, we got to keep up with all of these because they're all going around at around the same time. The DAZN show from Manchester's earlier in the day, but the FS1 card, the ESPN card, they're going on at the same time as the pay-per-view undercard is going on DAZN uh, for Canelo and Kovalev. So lots and lots of boxing, and the man that I'm talking to right now, you need to follow him on the great Twitter handle at Week Sauce Radio because he tweets all things boxing constantly on the weekends. You got to have extra screens, brother. You got to have several extra screens here to be keeping up with all this come Saturday night.
3: Oh, looking forward to it, TJ. I got the uh, Clockwork Orange set up all ready to go for this weekend's boxing <laughs> events. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> and it, it's interesting also with all of these fights going at the same time. I, I always love when boxing promotions do, and they, and they notice ahead of time where they have like one fight that's going to be the big fight and then every single other fight card comes right after it, and then we're stuck like two weeks from now with almost nothing. But it's what they do. It's boxing, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Should be a lot of fun. Marquis, thank you. I appreciate you hopping on to help close out the show here. Great stuff, as always. We encourage everybody to follow you at Sauce Radio on Twitter. Also, BigFightWeekend.com. Again, he's the lead writer for all that. Thank you, sir. Let's see what happens with Canelo and Kovalev on Saturday night. Looking forward to seeing what happens to Canelo and see if he, can, if he makes history on Saturday. No doubt. My thanks also in order. We talked uh, with Antonio Tarver, Tarver time, all the way back at the beginning of the podcast, a former undisputed light heavyweight champion, about this Canelo Kovalev fight. Got some great wisdom in the UK from David Payne, once again, the boxing writer. Follow him at the boxing writer on social media. Uh, he was weighing in on that Josh Taylor Regis Progress, uh, world junior welterweight. Uh, WB Super Series, World Boxing Super Series finale last week. He was talking about that. He was looking ahead to Kovalev and Canelo. And also T.C. Martin in Las Vegas. Thank him for popping on as well to give us some insight right there on location. Again, subscribe to this podcast, however you found the show. Through a live listen link, social media, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Just search Big Fight Weekend. Subscribe whenever we do a preview. Whenever we do a recap, the podcast comes automatically to you. Heck, Marquise and I may be jumping on here. If this is a spectacular fight, we may do a recap podcast. We may get in that mode of not only previews, but recaps here with these coming fights. Again, Wilder Ortiz at the end of the month. Uh, Ruiz Joshua heavyweight title rematch comes right after that. A couple of weeks later. We will have all kinds of podcasts coming on Big Fight Weekend. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And if you have subscribed, rate and review the podcast because it will help the podcast get noticed by more people on those services when you do. That'll do it. I'm TJ Reeves. Let's see what happens with Canelo Alvarez, Sergey Kovalev. WBO light heavyweight title fight scheduled for 12 in the desert Saturday night. You can read more about it on BigFightWeekend.com in advance and the recaps as well. And thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.